When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate. You call on such lost creatures for me. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast devoted to discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I am joined by my co-host, Chris Bruffett. Chris, how are you doing today? Oh, if I were any better, Jesse, I just couldn't stand it. That's exciting. Oh, so good. Well, we've got another news roundup today, Chris. This is even more exciting because it turns out... Since our last news roundup, there's been a lot of news, and there's been a lot of models revealed, and a lot of models have come out into the world. Oh, it's so exciting. And not only that, but I'm even more excited by all this, because we've got some new mutant things on the way, and I think I've settled into the mutants being my team. Oh. I think it's Storm and Scott, dual leadership bag, and... All mutants around them. Right now, I've got Ghost Rider in there. Really enjoying that. But absolutely, yeah, man. I just I enjoy that leadership, so, that Storm leadership so much. When Iron Fist comes out, I'll I'll bang home that Scott leadership. That's those Scott games. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited you found a team and you've locked into one, Chris. Because I know you have the same problem I do. You want to play everybody and you want to try everything. It took one good game with Wolverine to get me. To get me hooked. Well, it turns out Wolverine's just fun on every team. That's my current opinion. I think he's oh, really sure. great. So in reference to the X-Men leadership, I agree completely because I think why it's so effective is getting cover from Storm all the time and then getting that leapfrog ability once per round. It's just consistent. It's strong. It's consistent. And Beast is great. You know, I still haven't used Beast. My last game, I made a tactical error. I chose with my heart. And I went with uh, Mystique and Toad in the same list. It was a big mistake. Oh, okay. Toad's never a mistake also. I don't think that Mystique and Toad are the right, a good choice together. Mm, too much objective running. I'll say that without a, a heavy, heavy hitter, I'll say that. It is I just tough. didn't have enough damage on the team. Well, when I go with my heart, I choose Rocket and Groot every time. So, mm-hmm. Well, I was you know, playing we all have Rocket. Our heart. That was part of the problem. Yeah, Rocket likes to do a lot of things. Oh, and he's still a two-threat. 
the whole time. Yep. It's great. So Chris, speaking about games recently, I played a couple games recently in person. It's so insane to be fully vaccinated and then play with a group of guys who are vaccinated in the garage, you know, with all the windows and the door open. It's just crazy. Like we're still not back at stores here, but we're taking steps to get there, which is very exciting. Working on getting the stream and even potentially more video content coming in the future. So stay tuned for that. So I've been working hard on that. I've also been working on tons and tons of terrain, just trying to get terrain ready so I can supply as many tables as possible for a in-person MCP tournament. Ooh, that's awesome. That's my goal, man. I want to give a bunch of demos with a couple of our friends here that I would call part of the Fury's Finest play group which is very true because, you know, Chris knows exactly what people I'm talking about. They're very involved with helping us in any way. And I've got a really good group of guys that I think would run some demos at a store with my terrain. People could try out the game, learn the game. I think the game is primed to blow up right now because we are just now about to get back into stores. I think the game is going to benefit greatly from that. And the reason... I agree with you so much on the the game being primed to just kind of take off right now is the quality of characters and models that Atomic Mass has gotten into the world since the pandemic began and and storefronts closed and in-person games became a thing of the past. Just think of these wonderful sculpts and models and iconic characters that are just, they're going to be so, so eye-catching in the store. People are going to want to play with these characters. Oh, you're absolutely right, Chris. And let's also not forget that within a couple months, we'll be at the 100 model count, which Mm. is just pure insanity. There's a character for everyone in that 100. I guarantee it. Breakneck speed. Breakneck speed entirely. And then also, maybe not someone's favorite character, if they have a very specific favorite character, but I guarantee you that 100 models that will be out very shortly, I guarantee there's a character in there that is a favorite of every person who might be interested in playing this game. And I think that's a really positive thing too. And then that also means that in the future, MCP can just continue to add more and more unique side characters and more and more of these mains that we've come to know. And some we're going to talk about today that are brand new. Well... I guess the only other thing I have to add to all of this discussion is I've got to start using MODOK again because the MODOK show on Hulu is fantastic. It is excellent, and I would say you need to watch it, but you also need to watch more than a couple episodes because it does not hold your hand at all, Chris. I was really shocked by that, and I was really impressed by that. You know, it is written by Patton Oswalt and Seth Green and some of those guys, ex-Robot Chicken guys, and then obviously a lot of other comedy shows working on this. But the show is actually more of a standard show than I was even ready for it to be. It is a standard comedic sitcom in the right. Marvel Universe. I mean, the animation, the, the stop motion capture is just beautiful. Can't beat it. Yeah, it's, it's really just nice. gorgeous. Seeing stop motion and like modern 4K format and all this stuff, it's it's a really beautiful thing. It's really incredible. I almost feel like we should have a resurgence in stop motion because of 4K, just because of how good this looks. I'm truly just in love with the show. Well, have some fun with Modoc. And you're right, Chris, I think Modoc's here to stay, but I have some good news. I think someone arrived into the game that can go toe to toe with Modoc, and we'll talk about that character shortly. Ooh. But I think we just got to get into it. So let's talk about all this wonderful news today. Fury's Finest is sponsored by Discount Games Inc. Go to discountgamesinc.com for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol and miniature gaming needs. 
our patrons support Fury's Finest at patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoyed this show, consider supporting us with a monthly contribution. We thank all of our patrons for their support. Guys, we've got a lot of goals coming up. We've got a lot of future plans for Fury's Finest, especially with the world reopening. And if you join the Patreon, not only do you join our wonderful Discord and our community, but you help us achieve those future goals. And we've got a lot of them. We were talking before we started recording for the episode about a lot of these things and I mean, it's it's all long-term stuff, but man, like things I'm very excited to do, provided I ever get the time. Yeah, that's very true. But I will say too, Chris, if you go to our Patreon, some of these goals are on our Patreon. For instance, like we have a giant goal if we reach a certain amount of money every month that Chris and I could actually like travel somewhere to a major tournament like Adepticon or something and cover it and do commentary on it or play at it or, you know, do streams at it. Like these are really fun goals for the game, I think, and for building the community and obviously for Fury's Finest. They'll take some time to get there, but we're looking forward to it if we do. Oh yeah, big, big, big time. And of course, every week we've got to send a a very big, very personal shout out. And this week, Josh G, it's your turn, buddy. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Thank you for becoming a patron, Josh. Thank you. And of course, we could never forget to thank our Avenger producer, Matthew R., who's the producer of every episode. Thank you, Matthew. Thanks, Matt. All right, Chris, let's get into all this wonderful news. Oh, yeah. So starting the news right off the bat, you and I have hinted at this many times. We talked about, we knew this came out. It came out at a funny time, basically right after we did our last news roundup. And we're going to talk about it finally. That's the banned and restricted list has been updated for MCP. The first iteration of this was last fall, and I had Will Pagani and Will Shook on the show talking about their reasons for basically creating and enforcing and continually evolving and updating the banned and restricted list. So if you haven't heard that episode yet, go back and listen to it. Just look up the banned and restricted list episode. Really nice to hear from those guys, like two of the creative guys behind this game, MCP. But Chris, they've updated again recently, and I think we're going to talk about it today. I like talking about stuff. We should. So of course, to refresh your memory, there are restricted cards in the game and there are banned cards. So banned cards cannot be played at all, period when you go to a tournament, but they can be played, of course, when you're at home, having a kitchen table game for fun. Though I think most people are not going to play them just because they don't even want to potentially give their opponent a negative play experience or even right. practice something that's not real in the game. Right. Now, the restricted list, Chris, you could take two tactics cards on this list in your roster, but only two. If you exceed that number at all, you immediately would not be able to be part of a tournament on any sort of official scale. Now, once again, at home, you can play as many of these cards as you want, but it is a good practice at home to only use two of these maximum just to kind of get a feel for it because obviously Atomic Mass Games has deemed these too powerful in the sense where if you have more than two, it's not a fun experience for your opponent. Yeah, these they're just OPOP, man. Originally, the banned card was drop off and the restricted cards were brace for impact doom prophecy field dressing med pack and patch up and four of those five restricted cards were all damage mitigation or damage healing which makes sense because they just are always good doom prophecy of course is a niche situation but doom prophecy is basically a very powerful one turn go with attacks right it's 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 so funny it's really fun. I It's a card I still play sometimes, but it's obviously restricted as well. Now, of right. course, drop-off was, was banned entirely be, because now we know there's a card for She-Hulk that's A-Force only, which is She-Hulk's drop-off, which I think is incredible. Also, Cable was too good with it. And also, 
we were seeing drop off everywhere because it turns out moving a character for free and they get to perform an attack outside of their activation. That's really insane. Insane. Now taking ourselves to today, they have added another banned card and two more restricted cards. So let's talk about the band first because it's gone from the game is banned. So they hired the team tactic card hired muscle which of course came with Kingpin. And that is the card where you get to move civilian tokens on the map. Now that doesn't sound that crazy, but the way this was being used in the competitive scene, especially on TTS was the player that had priority essentially got to move the civilians closer to them, turn one round one and get a major advantage immediately before the game even started. And Atomic games deemed this a negative play experience and just took it out of the game entirely. And I think it's a strong play. It is a bummer for factions like the criminal syndicate, who I think were really strong at this, or even Asgard, you know, who's just really strong at holding objectives and taking areas. And, you know, they could also grab civilians early in the game. So that was part of the issue with this as well, but it's gone. Chris hired muscles gone. Eh, I'm not too upset by it. Now the curveball here is we got two cards added to the restricted list. One does not surprise me at all. It's called All You've Got. Yeah, man. This card paired extremely well with Doom Prophecy. So that's part of the thing. It's like, if you want to do the Widow Bomb now, or you want to do the uh, Corvus Kamikaze, kill a bunch of people before Corvus dies, you can do it with Doom Prophecy and All You've Got. But those are your two restricted cards. You're not taking any healing cards at all if you do that route. So I like that they added, added it here. Just to refresh your memory, like all you've got is a crazy card where you pay four power at the end of your activation to take another activation and then you daze or KO yourself. But you essentially get to go twice in a row. I love that card. It's super neat. I think it still has its place in the game and obviously will not go away. Hence why it's on no. the restricted list. But now it's restricted. I'm happy that they kept in the kind of Widow Bomb, Kamikaze, Corvus play styles. Yeah. It's good to not just destroy that way of playing the game, but to maybe make it a little more niche or maybe you have to pay a price to be able to do that. I think maybe it kills it for most people, but I think it was a solid move overall. Oh, absolutely. Also, don't forget the Punisher Bomb. He can do it as well because any of those characters, Chris, that attack twice within their basic strike are good candidates for game prophecy. It's really nice. But the final curveball they added was they added a crisis card to the restricted list. So this is the first objective in the game that's been added to the restricted list. So essentially, if you're playing this objective in your your list of 10 models and your objective pools with your list of 10 models, you're basically saying, I have built a list for this objective. I know exactly what I'm doing, and I'm ready to win this objective. But if you're not doing that, you don't play Panic Grips the City because you're losing a restricted restricted slot for this something like a med pack something like a doom prophecy or maybe a field dressing or something so what's crazy here was autonomous mass basically said once again this objective benefited too many factions that had more power for instance asgard is the example they gave which made a lot of sense because in the competitive competitive scene a lot of people were doing this as well where they were playing asgard on this objective and they were basically getting civilians really early because asgard has more power obviously innately and then this is the objective where you could spend six power to evacuate a civilian off the board so factions that gain more power obviously have a huge advantage in this skews the game a bit makes it less fun it had to be restricted i'm happy for this because i lost this crisis last time i played it so therefore <laughs> uh, immediate gut reaction get rid of it and burn it with fire 
Okay, fair enough. But that's it for the banned and restricted list, Chris. So moving on, we've had some really cool changes recently with the affiliation list. So I'm really excited now that we get to do this every month, Chris. When oh, we yeah. talk about the the new additions because not only is this amazing and fun and exciting for the game, but even more exciting for you and I, I would say, because we get to see where the new characters fell in the oh, way yeah. of theme. This is nerd nerd-ish right here, but it's so fun. It's I'm really happy with a couple of the lore kind of focus moves they made here. And the first one being Quicksilver in Inhumans. That's nice. It's great. That was a nice curveball. Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, gosh, he's, I think he's an excellent three threat. So I mean, solid addition. And then Scarlet Witch in Defenders. Interesting. It seems like they're throwing in the kind mm. of magic y darker characters yep. into the defenders they're kind of mashing up the defenders and the midnight suns type into one into one group which is cool have they announced that blade will be a defender because i feel like blade will be a defender they have not announced where blade will be so i'm very excited to hear where he will be well there's my call i'm into it so you mentioned two characters right off the bat chris Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. So I've also got to mention some other places they show up. So namely, the Avengers got Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, which I think is very thematic and very fun. Like these characters in Avengers will be very different from obviously some of their other places. Some of their other places being they are both members of the Brotherhood of Mutants. So now the Brotherhood is up to seven members. It was one of the smallest affiliations in the game, but now they're up to seven. If you include Juggernaut, which of course is on this list, which is, you know, just a fun teaser Atomic Mass threw in for us. (laughs) How big is that model going to be, dude? Oh my (laughs) gosh. He's got to be big, right? Surely. Oh, it's going to be awesome. I'm so excited about that. He is right behind Rhino on my most wanted characters. Rhino is definitely above him. I just want to see the sculpt that Atomic Mass delivers for Rhino. I think it'll be incredible. You're absolutely right. But what do you think about Brotherhood just getting more members? But namely, Chris, the big standout for me here is that Brotherhood has a second three threat in Quicksilver. So they have Mystique and Quicksilver now. Okay. This makes me want to go ahead and build a Brotherhood bag so I have all my mutant bases covered. I don't know, man. Scarlet Witch is so powerful that I feel like you can get her and Magneto on the same field somehow. Oh, yeah. It's very expensive, but you can do it. And but, it's scary. yeah, I, I feel like that is that is some Black Order level, you know, terrifying. Yeah, it's true, though. No, I think it's a big deal. I think Magne- Magneto feeding her power will be incredible. But obviously with Magneto and her, you're already sitting at 11. Mm hmm. Like, that's just so much. But the thing is, with Magneto and Scarlet Witch, if you're doing that route, you have a plan, you know? And also, Chris, keep in mind what's interesting here is I think this opened up Mystique's Brotherhood team a lot. Big time. Because originally, if you brought Magneto on Mystique's team, that's fine, but that's nine points. But now if you bring maybe Quicksilver to her team, that makes a lot of sense. That's only six points to start. But let's say you bring Mystique and then you bring Scarlet Witch... 
Well, that's eight. And you're already, you're kind of getting interesting things going. Scarlet Witch is kind of the cheaper Magneto there, right? For that team. So there's a lot of things happening here. I just love thematically that they are on the same team as their dad, basically. And we are leaning more into some of my favorite Marvel bad guys. And Chris has said many times, are they bad guys? Yes and no. They have been and they have not been. Yeah. And the Brotherhood depends on your view and what era of comics you're reading. That's, that's very true. I, I just, the Brotherhood is possibly one of the factions I'm most excited about going forward. You're absolutely right. And they have one of the coolest leaderships in the game, like directly interacting with the board to destroy terrain, to gain more power. It just makes all these people that put more time into their terrain and like looking at the board and enjoying the theme even more. Now, you did mention Scarlet Witch in Defenders. But we haven't mentioned she's part of the A-Force now, too, Chris. Mm. So the A-Force list continues to grow, continues to be right behind the Avengers in size. It's crazy. Well, and I I will happily tell you, the uh, A-Force will be a team I'm going to play when Black Cat is in the game. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. So Black Cat was revealed where she fits in the game, and she's on A-Force. We knew she'd be obviously a web warrior, or at least we thought she would. But she's on A-Force. You know, she could have also been a spider foe. But yeah, A-Force and not either of those two teams. Interesting choice. Atomic Mass does this sometimes, Chris, where they they don't reveal every team a character's on yeah. until they're fully out in the world. We do have Black Cat's card now, and we know how she plays, but we don't know where she fits. So I am holding out hope that she's a web warrior and a spider foe, because that's just fun. Like a character that's on both oh, yeah. those teams... Like, that's cool. That's a, that's a cool start. But she is a force straight up. If you want to keep it lore friendly, she could easily be a member. Oh, she is a member of the criminal syndicate. Matter of fact, of course, I was just going to be so mad if she wasn't there. She could easily be in the cabal as well. She could fit a lot of places. So that'd be pretty cool. So yeah, she's just been a, a bad gal for a while. You know, I agree. Now, closing out our discussion here, Chris. We do have Mr. Sinister, who is a member of the Cabal, which is pretty great. Love him. And it makes a lot of sense. Love him. But also, how could I forget earlier, Chris, when we were talking about the Brotherhood, that Sinister is a member of the Brotherhood as well. So Brotherhood and Cabal, good fits for him. Makes a lot of sense. What do you think about that? Well, I'm still kind of processing Mr. Sinister, so... (laughs) Yeah, man. As you should be. He could be really cool in Cabal. He does damage, which is good for Cabal. (laughs) Yes. Why don't we just segue into talking about Mr. Sinister? We've got his card here. Yeah. Let's just go ahead and and do this. He is Mr. Sinister. His alter ego is Nathaniel Essex. And his healthy side, he's going to have six health. He is a medium mover. He is a size three. Threat level four. Physical and energy defenses, both three. And his mystic is a four. Anything stand out there to you, Jesse? I mean, six stamina on the front side is pretty nice, but he's only five on the back. Right. So it's going to be 11 total. Which is not on the upper end of fours, but it's also on the upper end of threes. So it makes sense. It works. Mystic being four makes a lot of sense thematically and it's fun. But most importantly here, Chris, he's a medium sized base with a medium move. And you and I Mm. love that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sure do. But I think we just got to get into his attacks and superpowers because they are pretty complex. So I'll just read through his attacks real quick, and then we'll think about them, give our quick takes. And obviously, Chris, 
you know, this goes unsaid, but in the future, when we do our Mr. Sinister episode, we will deep dive more into all of this, but these are kind of our initial impressions before we got the model on the table. So his first attack is a strike. It's an energy attack called strike. It is range three, which I love immediately. It's a strength of five and a power cost of zero. After the attack is resolved, Mr. Sinister gains power equal to the damage dealt. Nothing crazy about this, Chris, except that it's range three and energy, which is good stuff, really. I'm always happy when it's five dice and not four, but True. You know, for a, I know why it's only five dice on a four threat character, but... But range three. Range three is nice. On a medium base, right? So right. That's almost like netting you more range, you know, if you think of it that way. So now we have to start the weird. <laughs> I love it. They really outdid themselves on this card, man. And I have no idea if it's going to be fun on the table or not. But in theory, this is wild, guys. So his next attack, he has three. It is a mystic attack. It is called genetic splicing. It is a beam four attack strength five here's the kicker power cost one very nice that's wild mystic beam mystic beam four (laughs) for one not a two right beam four so it's also got this text genetic extraction after each attack is resolved mr sinister gains one genetic sample token Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. I'm going to go ahead and answer a question. Usually we read all of this in in absolute order, but this will help you going through, and especially when we get to this next, to one of his cards that's absolutely insane. He has an innate superpower called DNA Database. Basically, this is just his limiter for genetic sample tokens. Mr. Sinister may have a maximum of three genetic sample tokens at any time. So... That's going to come into play bigly in a second. Yeah. Also, if you beam through people, you're already at your... You're you're already at max, baby. Because, once again, it's the attack is resolved. Like, damage dealt You don't have to get damage Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He's taking the genes. Yeah. And medium medium movement on a a medium base, you know, he, he does get around a little bit quicker, so you might be able to reposition enough... To mm-hmm. get two and three models in a beam, in a genetic splicing, you know, every turn or every other turn or ev- activation, I should say. Well, I hope you're ready for the next attack, Chris, because it's I am. wild. It's a mystic attack called Recombinant Disintegration. The range is a new thing we've never seen, which is a star next to it. Interesting. The strength is six and the power cost is six. Okay. Very expensive. That's very expensive. The range of this attack is equal to the number of genetic samples Mr. Sinister has. So max three. A one, two, or three, right. See, and I thought Mr. Sinister was a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot better than he is (laughs) because I didn't know about DNA database when I read Recombinant Disintegration. Oh, I see. I see. Mm -hmm. A5. Okay. Now- a3 is still insane. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. And here's what's crazy, Chris. If you roll the Yahtzee, if you roll crit, mm. hit, mm. and wild, you get a trigger called genetic burst. So keep in mind, this is on the first target, right? So you have more chances to trigger this if you attack multiple people, right? After this attack is resolved, 
each enemy character within range of this attack. Not within range of this character. Within range of this attack. So everyone in the A, whatever you're at, suffers one auto damage. So this could really chain if you get lucky with some dice rolls. <laughs> Which is pretty that's crazy. A, that's a lot of luck, but man, it's going to happen for somebody. And if it's, it's anybody that listens to this show, you take pictures and you send them to us. Absolutely. I also want to see Mr. Sinister and Carnage like have a duel where they've mm. got the, a t- the A's trigger- triggering like pings on everybody, you know? Just like how crazy that would be. So that's really, really expensive, Chris, which makes a lot of sense. It should be. You know, also the range being dependent on what you have on your samples is super cool, but also even cooler, you don't spend the samples for this. You know, you spend that six power, that high cost, but like you keep your samples. So if it was A2 or 3, which is very powerful, you know, it was worth it. We're about to get into the, the spenders for those samples. Turns out Mr. Sinister has six superpowers. Four real actual spend power on them superpowers, but yeah, man. And two and eights. Yeah. Ugh. Crazy. So the first one is an active superpower. It is engineered perfection. Love it. It's going to cost zero remove any number of genetic sample tokens so one two or three from mr sinister remove one special condition from mr sinister for each genetic sample token removed the superpower can be used once per turn so once per turn up to three conditions without having to shake them individually pretty cool it's very strong it's a worthy use of, of genetic samples. I feel like it's it's sponge worthy. If you always have one sample on him, you can never be staggered. Ever. Gross. So he's never losing his actions. If you're if you have that insurance, if you have that one token banked, which I think you should. I think you should if yeah. you're doing this strategy. But that's super cool because then Sinister could just splice, you know? And get it right back. So, like, really, you just prevented yourself from being staggered entirely, which is a big deal because it is zero and it's not an action to do. So, it's just getting rid of that is, is great. But it's also strong on other conditions, too. <laughs> Hulk needs this. <laughs> Hulk. <laughs> can, can Mr. Sinister genetically engineer Hulk to have this superpower? Please. He needs it. Because if he's staggered, he's done. Maybe it's, it's one of the cards. It's strong. This is this is nice, Chris. Like it's versatility, you know? You're not gonna be given conditions you don't want, which I like. <laughs> you know? Yeah, man. But moving on, we've got another active superpower called genetic negation. Costs one power. Choose an enemy character within range three of Sinister and remove one genetic sample token from Sinister. If you do, the chosen enemy character gains the root special condition. This costs one power. So basically you pay one power to spend one genetic sample to give someone root. Now you're saying what's root because I don't remember that in the game. That's right. Because the only character that has root so far is Groot, but root is basically giving the Loki bubble to someone. All of their superpowers cost one more. This is very powerful on a big character who's fed or even just a big character who wants to do stuff. Yeah. Right? You put this on Thor when he wants to do four Asgard and get that charge and that attack and that stagger. He can't do it now, right? Because he started his turn with the power that was enough to do it, but then you put this on him before his turn started. Now you've completely hampered Thor from doing what he wants to do. That's just a quick example, but like, Root is powerful. Also, Chris, I read this character and I say, I guess I didn't need to try Sinister with Loki. <laughs> 
That's how I read this. Well, I have a suggestion for that, but I'm Mm going to save it for when we read the cards. Yep. So his next superpower is such fun little playthings. It's going to cost two power. Choose an enemy character within range three and advance that character short. This superpower can only be used once per turn. Very powerful. Of course, it's also an active superpower, but just moving someone short when you That's want to. Ridiculous, man. Modok has this. It's part of the reason why Modok's so strong. Right. Bow to the will of Modok is a very powerful thing. So I love it. It's strong. Very it, strong. It's costly. It's two. It's, I'm saying it's costly because now we're seeing how many cool things he can do that cost power. Right. But the good thing about this one is it does not cost a genetic sample token. And I think that's why it does cost two. Yeah. But yes, this one, I especially like because of that fact, not having to use your very limited supply of genetic sample tokens on this lets him retain some power, even if he's starved for tokens. Absolutely. And moving someone when you want to. This is not a small power. This is a one of the biggest deals in MCP is moving people when they don't want to be moved, right? Moving or throwing people is one of the strongest parts of MCP. We've talked about it time and time again. So closing out his active and reactive superpowers, we have a reactive superpower called molecular regeneration. Costs zero power. If Sinister would suffer damage, he may use this superpower. Remove any number of genetic tokens from Sinister. Reduce the amount of damage suffered by one for each genetic sample removed. Notice, Chris, this this does not say to a minimum of one, like Kingpin. No. Or Corvus Glaive or Proxima Midnight's would say. This says remove tokens, which we know now is one to three, and reduce the damage you would take by that number. So if you see you roll your defense dice and you've got two damage coming in, you got two tokens, you could just straight spin the two tokens, negate it entirely. And if that wasn't all enough, <laughs> he has flight. That's right. And on top of the DNA database. So yeah, man, this guy rules and he's still got a major, I don't even know if it's a piece or it would have to be a dedicated play style, but he sure. still has a major, major component coming. Major. Major. We should talk about it. Yeah, let's go ahead and get into it. So we're going to move on from talking about Sinister, whom is kind of a chef's kiss so far. He is. I really like it. I really like his kit so far. But we're going to talk about the tactics cards that come in his box. Right. And before we read these, Chris, I will basically say this is a like Rocket and Groot deadly duo situation. 100%. If you're taking him, you're taking (laughs) both of these cards. No like, questions asked. You would never not take Deadly Duo with Rocket and Groot. Right. Ever. Ever. Because it's too powerful. This is the same situation with Sinister. Though one card, you could maybe say, I don't want to take it. Or there's there's options here. But I, I think feel like this first both. card you have to take. Probably. But it, here's the thing. If you take the second card, you 100% have to take the first card. Exactly. So let's just <laughs> quit being cryptic. The first card is Forced Extraction. It is unaffiliated. It is active. Mr. Sinister may spend one power to play this card. Up to three allied characters within range three of Mr. Sinister suffer one wound. Mr. Sinister gains genetic sample tokens equal to the amount of damage suffered. So, turn one, (laughs) right off the bat, use your one power 
to pop forced extraction. You're going into your first fight fully genetic sampled up, baby. It's strong. No, it's really it's good. Strong. I definitely think it's a strong mid game play or even oh, yeah. early game. Or, like said, or early, just out. depending on on the situation, depending on your crisis cards, who you're playing, everything. All right, so. That's a strong card. It's kind of like we talked about with Carnage's like root card where you just give auto root out to everybody. I think it's one of those ones where it's like it's a strong contender. If you're playing Carnage, take that. If you're playing Sinister, take this because it's kind of giving them engine power, right? But right. we've got to talk about this next card, Chris, because oh my gosh. there's been nothing like this in the game this is insane. thus far. This is-, this is AMG, man. This opens up so much as far as power sets go for this game. And I'll talk about that after we talk about this card. But I just, I have one name that I have to throw out there after we talk about this card. Well, I'm going to read it. It's the most text on any tack card ever. After you read it, break it down. (laughs) I will. Cloning banks, unaffiliated, reactive. So once again, you don't have to have an affiliated team. It's just sinister on your team. You have this. During any cleanup phase of the game, an allied sinister may play this card. When this card is played, set it near the battlefield instead of discarding it. So you're setting up your own little clone vat by the battlefield. During each cleanup phase, including the one in which this card was played, so including the round that you just played this, Sinister may move any number of genetic sample tokens from himself to this card. Any number. So that's one to three. If this card has been played during any power phase, you may remove any number of genetic sample tokens from this card and discard it. If you do, place an unused character from your roster, that's your 10 models, so this is referring to the models that are not currently on the field, the models that are left in your 10 models, with a threat value equal to half the number of the genetic sample tokens removed, or lower. So this is basically saying, if you have six samples on the cloning banks, and you cash it this in, you're bringing a three threat or lower into the field. So a three threat or a two threat. Now place the character within range one of an allied Mr. Sinister and the placed character now gains three power and is now part of your squad and in the game. What? What? Now I will preface with this, Chris. It rounds down, not up. So every oh, instance yeah. in MCP, the game rounds up. That's how the rules are stated in the rule book. This is the first instance in the FAQ, errata, tournament rules, all this stuff where they say you round down. So if you have five power, you're not bringing in a three threat. You're not rounding up to six and cutting in half and bringing a three threat. You're rounding down to four and then you're bringing a two threat. So keep that in mind. So if you want to bring a four threat in, which I do, (laughs) (laughs) you need eight samples, which is not impossible, but it does mean it'll be later in the game. That means it's going to be Honestly, that's what I was talking about with play styles regarding this card. Because if you're running a cloning banks and and sinisters on on your team, I'm imagining that this is probably a kind of a big linchpin in your... Your 10 models. Yeah, in your team and your thought process and your strategy. You're going to just want to use him as a genetic sample generator. I mean, you're going to want to get that up to eight genetic samples or... Yeah, probably eight is the highest. The max. <laughs> I mean, yeah. someone sometime is going to we'll get, ten. you know, a fi- like a five threat at, like off we'll of this. Ten. But yeah, this is really, Chris, you bringing a, a three threat in the game when you want them. That's what this really is. That, that is samples. what it is. Yeah. You could just have a Quicksilver ready to go. Oh, man. I'm just thinking we're mid game. Everybody's wounded and teed up. You know who's coming in? Hawkeye. He's going to clean house. Smart. 
He's just going to clean house when everyone's low health. But I mean, the list goes on and on and on. We've talked about the workhorses of this game, Chris, which are the three threats. I really think any three threat coming in the middle of the game is an incredibly strong, unseen element of this game. Any three threat. So cool. You bring in Iron Man, who struggles right now, but he's not dying. You know, he's not going away and just plant his feet on an objective or something, you know? That's really, I think, how this is going to be used most is mm. adding a three-threat or two-threat objective-based character in and so strong three or four to tip the balance. But, I mean, me? I'll be saving up for Sabretooth, let's be honest. Eight samples. Yep. That's a great choice, too, right? Because he can finish kills. Bring in a Sabretooth in, on turn four. Like, it's game over. That's You're going to wipe him. This is going to be very difficult to do. Oh, yeah. This man. is going to be something that the competitive community immediately dismisses. Yep. It's too many things have to go right for you to do it. But I think, Chris, on its worst day, with this card, you bring in like a two threat round three. Yes. That was, that was exactly my thought, too, was... <laughs> is that bad? I don't think it is. Yeah, uh, maybe I've, I've done a lot of AoE damage, and uh, right. Nebula comes in she cleans round up. three, and she just cleans house. Yeah, Nebula or Rocket. Yeah, man. Or you just go the meta route or the objective route, like you mentioned earlier. and Yeah, just grab Toad. Bring Toad or Nikoye out and just kind of say, guess what? We were playing 18 threat, but now I'm playing 20 threat. Yeah, man. <laughs> And it's another entire activation that your opponent doesn't have. It's cool. I mean, this, this opens you up to running a big squad and bringing in your objective runner round two, you know? Oh, yeah. You pop force extraction in turn one, move everything over to the clone bank. You just need to get one more sample over there to go ahead and bring in your toad. It's too good. It's too good. You're all in on this, as in, as Chris said, you basically have to run both these cards if you're playing cloning banks. Though, I will say, Chris, Sinister as just a beater and a damage dealer, I think you take Force Extraction. It's just strong. Like, I think you just give him more tokens and more damage. You do not have to take cloning banks. It's just a mind-blowing card that they introduced this mechanic to the game. It's fantastic. Now, what I was thinking, and I maybe I won't even say any names of characters or whatever, but just reality shapers like Franklin Richards. Right. This could be on his, this text or something like this could legitimately be on his card. Well, you're basically saying they've, they've opened the play space now. Yeah, you're saying they've basically shown us that they will do things that are unheard of in other minis games. Right. This is case in point of that. This would never happen in some of the games I play, you know, outside of right. MCP. Like, it would never say, like, if you do X things right in the game, bring in a extra clone reinforcement squad in Star Wars Legion, you know? And this is just a crazy, crazy card. And I love it, Chris. It's fun, too. Yeah, it's good that other games haven't done this yet. Because <laughs> the Marvel Universe, what better setting for this kind of mechanic in a in a tabletop minis game well you and i are lore guys and theme guys and we love casual play and all this stuff in the game how good is this just for sinister and the player playing sinister living oh, the fan- fantasy of this character and here's the best part chris it's a clone it's not even the real character that's what makes right. it even more fun like sinister bringing in a scott mid game mm-hmm. or late game to just beam everyone away and kill them and it's not actually scott it's a clone of scott like the theme there is so rich. 
Especially because you chose Scott. Of course I did. Arch nemesis well done. factor here. But we got to move on from Sinister because I've got a lot of thoughts on this, Chris, and I could talk about it too long. We got to save it for and a we will. episode. We will. But we've got to talk about the next character, which gosh, I just can't even handle, as you would imagine, I think. Oh, my gosh. She talking about beaters. This is my character. So we got to talk about Scarlet Witch. Built to kill, man. I alluded to this in our opening of the show, Chris, which was, I think we finally have a character who can go toe-to-toe with MODOK. In a different way, though. In a different way. So her name is Scarlet Witch. Of course, that's Wanda Maximoff. On her healthy side, she has six stamina. She's a medium move and a regular size base, so keep that in mind. She's a height of two and a threat cost of five. Her defenses are three physical four energy, four mystic, and on her injured side, she also has six health and the same defenses, so she is 12 health, Chris, which is very strong. Not Modox 14, but still really nice. Any thoughts about Wanda right off the bat? I mean, five threat, Every we're looking pretty thematic here so far. You and I love the five threats. Absolutely love the five threats. Four threats are really growing on me too, but But I said about the five threats, Chris, and I stand by my statement of the past episode. They are the two threats of the sixes. Mm, That's true. So the sixes are kind of the just all around mega level characters. Mega level people, yeah. The fives are akin to the two threats in the way of that they are the niche sort of play styles of the sixes. In the same way that Nebula is a niche assassin. Right. Scarlet Witch is a niche (laughs) mage. Just everything. Dude. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, man. I, I don't know what I what is she not good at though? We'll talk about it in a minute. Okay, you're gonna have to you're better at this stuff than me, man. I'll give you my best shot. I don't win enough. I'll talk about ways where she loses to Modoc and ways she wins to Modoc, and that'll help us wrap our heads around this. Because she is comparable to Modoc. She is a five threat, but starting right off the bat, she's a small base. He's a large base, so we've got differences going immediately. Now Let's talk about her two attacks real quick, Chris. She only has two. The first one is a mystic attack called Hex Bolt. It's range four, which I adore. It's six threat and zero power cost. After the attack is resolved, Scarlet Witch gains power equal to the damage dealt. This is her strike at range four, which is really nice. It's almost Hawkeye level range five. But to make matters even better, she has a skull symbol and it says chaos magic. After this attack is resolved, for each skull in the attack roll, the target character gains one of the following special conditions. Bleed, hex, incinerate, or poison. This is her strike, Chris. The attacking <laughs> player chooses the condition, correct? Yes. Scarlet Witch chooses. Insane. What are you, what are you picking most of the time? Just curious. Okay, good question. Yeah. If it's a big attacking character, like a MODOK, or like a maybe Doctor Strange, or even like a Corvus Glaive, I am strongly, strongly considering Hex, because they can't explode crits, and they cannot re mm. blank results on their dice. Mm, I like that. Now, if she's going early in a round, I'm choosing Incinerate, probably, because she's kind of marking this target to die, and Incinerate takes away defense dice, right? So if you go early with her in a round, you incinerate them, and then other characters go later in the round, and they attack this target. Of course, that character has less defense. Bleed's always good, but I think it's the worst of these four conditions. The last condition outside of bleed is poison, which of course is you gain one less power during the power phase. This is also completely detrimental to some of the bigger characters in the game who want their power. So 
Hex and Incinerate are my first choices, but then I would Excellent. easily go Poison and Bleed. And then Situation Pending, say someone was really close to an objective, Chris, and they had no power, and they had to pick up that objective next turn, I would give them Poison. And guess what they're not doing this turn, is picking up that objective. Unless they maybe strike or something, which hopefully I prevented. So there's different ways to do it. Excellent, wonderfully thought out, and reasoned answer. Well done. Now, I will mention, Chris, while we are here, Chaos Magic... It's a skull, right? First of all, skulls so cool, man. are so bad for everyone else in the game, but for her, they give you conditions, which is just so cool. I love it, man. I will jump ahead to one of her innate superpowers called Chosen of Cthulhu. When attacking or defending or dodging, Scarlet Witch adds skull results and her roles to her successes. So this is where it gets crazy. Double good. Double good. So her skulls are counting as hits? Yes. And you're rolling... <laughs> I just, so the only thing you're not looking for is blanks and defense. That's it. Blanks and blocks. That's it. Everything else is good. Here's what's actually even crazier, Chris. When you're blocking, it's just the inverse of that. All you don't want is hits and blanks. I always roll skulls when I block. This is great (laughs) for me. (laughs) Let's move on to our second attack because there's so much cool stuff on here. It's also a mystic attack called Cruel Twist. It's range three, not range four, but the strength is eight. The power cost is six, mm. so it's very expensive. That is pricey. Is she now a candidate for Scott's team? Whoa. Possibly. Yeah. Let's read this. The defending character does not add critical results in its defense role to its total successes and cannot add additional dice to its defense role as a result of critical results. So it's like a more powerful hex. They're not surviving this attack, hopefully. <laughs> right. Then she also has another skull trigger. So once again, skulls are triggering her cool stuff. Skull, reality contortion. So if she has a skull, she can do this trigger. Change one of the defending character's crit, wild, or block results into a blank. So Chris, they're not exploding crits and they're not modifying dice. And then if you roll a skull on your attack with this, you can change any positive dice to a blank. Mm. They're going to die from this. <laughs> this is so insanely powerful. And if you start adding dice to this attack through tactics cards or allies or, or whatever. Yeah. Dust decree from Thanos. Yeah. We're talking, we're talking <laughs> big, big things. Big, things. big things, young man. It's true. They're probably not going to make it. Yeah. Let's now talk about the other reasons she's insane. Her first superpower is an active superpower. It is obviously telekinesis it's gonna cost you three choose an interactive terrain feature of size four or less within range three and throw it medium very nice this superpower can only be used once per turn so basically on this power everything is one bigger or longer than it should be (laughs) (laughs) it's right under magneto's big throw man He can throw things long because he's Magneto. That makes sense. But crazy. Really good. Paying three to throw a four is incredible. We've talked about this time and time again. We've talked about why Beast is so strong because he can throw for an efficient price. Other characters are usually paying the cost or they're paying more. Like They're usually paying the size cost or more. So it's great. It obviously costs three power, which is a lot. But I think when you use it, you're going to want to do it, Chris. Oh, man. And I just... This character is really cool. Yeah. I'm I'm just in love with this kid. I am in love with this character. Moving on to her next superpower. It's a reactive superpower called Curse. It costs two power. When Scarlet Witch is damaged by an enemy effect, 
after the effect is resolved, so that means after damage has been dealt, after all triggers have happened, she may use the superpower. The attacking character gains the judgment special condition. So once again, Chris, we just saw our second instance of Root on a character card in the game from Sinister, from Groot, now Sinister. Now we're seeing our second instance of judgment from Ronin, but now it's on Scarlet Witch. Now, to Mm. refresh your memory, judgment is one of my personal favorite conditions in the game. It is the enemy character does not gain any power when taking damage. I love that ability so much. I haven't even thought about Ronan in forever. He's the only person that has that, and Ronan's awesome, man. No, Everybody I sleeps know. on it's him. Just, he, was, he was so early on in the release schedule, and there's just all these new shinies I haven't played with yet. But Ronan's an inhuman, though, so oh, he has more gosh. space. He yeah, has more space. man. We got to get more games in. We certainly do. And I've been playing Ronan recently, actually, on the table, and I always love him. But here's what's cool, Chris, like about this. You're always in trouble with Scarlet Witch. If she goes early in a round, she double taps you, does a bunch of damage, you're in trouble. If she goes late in a round and you attack her a couple times, she passes out curses to people and judges them all. And then she attacks back and you're not gaining power when she's dealing damage to you because you're cursed with the judgment condition. So you lose either way. (laughs) And it's why she's great. She's insane. I really, gosh, I really like it. So uh, we already touched on her first innate power, chosen of Chathon. I'm not Chathon. sure how to say that yet. Chathon, um, Chathun. Her next innate superpower is Hexfield. Oh, boy. Enemy characters performing a shake action while within range three of Scarlet Witch may not remove the Hex, Judgment, or Poison special conditions. That's awesome. And she also has flight. So they're not getting rid of that hex. They're not getting rid of that hex. That thing is there, man. You just have to keep her within range three of that character, which is not without its own dangers. Of course. But it also means when she's in the thick of things, if you have other condition givers on your team, you know, for instance, like Agent Widow or you have Crystal, or other characters that go out conditions, you're getting extra value out of those characters because Scarlet Witch is kind of putting out a field where the enemies can't remove conditions given by your other characters, which is pretty cool. I, I've been playing a lot of Ghost Rider lately. I'm starting to kind of get that field yes. bubble. I'm starting to, starting to get bubble. okay at it, and maybe it's time to start working on my hex fields. I think you should, Chris. I will reference and remind the listeners and ourselves both I did mention Crystal, right? Crystal has the innate superpower Elemental Empowerment. Enemy characters performing a shake action while within range three of Crystal may not remove, incinerate, slow, or stun. Interesting. You've got these two characters by each other. You've got a like condition bubble set up. I feel a gimmick team coming on. I feel a mage team coming on. Yeah, man. Get Loki in there and make everyone's superpowers cost extra within the bubble as well. Come on, man. Your mage team. I've got my Scott team. It's Let's here. Go. Let's do it. Now, she has flight, which is good, too, as you mentioned, Chris. Well, you it's good for everybody. You have to. You have, she has to have it. But, I mean, she doesn't change on the back, which I like, because she is a very complex character with a very high skill ceiling. She does seem really impressive on paper, but if you don't play her right, you're not going to get everything out of her. I will say not that. Not everything, but she can dish out some damage. And I'm glad you mentioned that, Chris. So now I'm going to talk about her and MODOK versus each other. She does not have balance of the will of MODOK, which is one of his strongest features. So MODOK can move people. 
at will per power. Moto can also spend power to reroll any number of his dice at will. So these are reasons why he's really strong. He also blanks people's wilds, which I think is just crazy. Oh, that's nuts. So he blanks your dice. He can reroll his own dice if he has a bunch of power. He can move people if he has a bunch of power. And he's got good long-range attacks. Let's go to Scarlet Witch. She has exceptional long-range attacks. She can mess with your dice. She can do things with skulls, which, you know, gives her more positive effects on her defense and her attacks. And not only that, but if you're reliant on wilds, you cannot give status conditions to Modok himself. Guess who doesn't need wilds at all? Exactly. That is so strong in, I mean, tournament play as an anti-Modok pick. Like, right. That's big. Oh, I also mentioned that Modok has 14 health and she has 12. So the biggest juxtaposition of them, Chris, is if Modok's fed, he's much more powerful. Yeah. But just her raw, her just initially on the field and her just like, it doesn't matter what her power level is. She potentially is better than Modok because she has more positive dice results. She has the most positive dice results of any character in the game on attack and defense. I really feel like she has a higher floor because of that. I really feel like yeah. her her damage dealing as a novice player or someone like me, someone that's just not that good at the game, just has a fun time playing it. I'm going to be able to get more out of her than, say, me trying to play, oh, I don't know, Doctor Strange. Okay. Just kind of how it is. Just She's going to be able to deal damage, a lot of damage, consistently, just because of the way her dice work. Status conditions, also always good. Yeah, and she's going to stay alive too, right? Yeah, you might not have to have that hex field going all the time for her to still be effective Right. You know, unlike some of the harder characters to play, maybe Loki's in that. I'm not sure. Whoever you want to want to pick. I just play mutants at this point. I'm fine with it. I love it, honestly. Well, Chris, closing out Scarlet Witch, I do have a nice little thing we have to touch on, which is she does have a tactics card, which I think might be essential with her as well. And I don't think you're ready for this name. The name is No More Mutants. Oh, no. It's unaffiliated, and it's a reactive superpower. When an enemy character within range 5 of Scarlet Witch spends one or more power to use a active or reactive superpower, Scarlet Witch can pay 3 power to play this card. The enemy superpower has no effect and cannot be used again for the rest of this turn, but the enemy character still spends the full power cost of that superpower and is considered to have used the superpower for all rules. Wow. It's exactly like Ma's shush card. Mm-hmm. We talked about this before, Chris. We talked about how Ma struggles in the game against some other five threat options. But if you play him, you play his card. <laughs> right. Because Counterspell is an amazing card in any game it's in. <laughs> right? Yeah, man. And when someone does their big superpower and they pay for it and you just say, not only did you pay for that and that money, that power is gone, but you don't get to do it. That's worth it. That's very I love strong. It, man. I and, love it. And the theme is too good. The No More Mutants. It's just too good. Oh, heartbreaking, really. It's really heartbreaking, and I can't wait to do her episode, man. I'm on Scarlet Witch High right now for all the obvious reasons. We all are. Well, of course. All right, all right. We, we've got we've to move. We've got to hustle here. Yeah, we've got two more characters that I'm very excited to talk about. Each one of these characters almost, in, in, a, in a weird way, like, they're almost better than the last, but... I think Scarlet Witch might be the pinnacle as far as 
like top end. Okay. You know, the the meta and everything in this in this list maybe, but I think my favorite character, the the character that I'm looking forward to throwing in my bag the most we have not talked about yet. I'm curious who that is, but let's move on to the next character, Chris. That of course is Quicksilver. Pietro Maximoff. On his healthy side, he has five stamina, a long move as he should, a height of two, and a threat cost of three. His defenses are three physical, three energy, three mystic, and on his injured side, he has five stamina as well, putting him at 10, making him a completely average three threat, except he has a long move. Love a long mover. You've got to respect the long move on a three threat. Absolutely. But we got to move on to his card because i think we're going to see why he is quicksilver his first attack is a physical attack called supersonic strike it's range three which i absolutely adore chris it it gives him a feel of more speed it is a four strength zero power cost attack after the attack is resolved quicksilver gains power equal to the damage dealt so this of course is his strike but he's got some weird stuff some very weird stuff some very interesting triggers and this is why it's four dice (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh, he's going to, yeah, man, but he's going to be cool just because you're not really going to always know what's going to happen. So the first one is going to be a wild and a defense will trigger this. It's dash. After this attack is resolved, this character may advance short. Wow. Very thematic. Very fun. The next one is going to be triggered on a wild and a hit. It is velocity. After this attack is resolved, Quicksilver may make a supersonic strike attack. This attack may not target the original target character. I'm pretty sure you could get velocity on the next round of attacks and just keep this chain going. Well, Chris, you could also Yahtzee all four of these dice Mm. and you could dash first to advance short and then you could velocity to punch the new target. Which is just crazy. So cool. So thematic. I was really curious how they were going to do this. I'm blown away. Yeah, yeah. This is cool. This is very cool. So Quicksilver's second and final attack is also a physical attack called Cyclonic Vortex. It's range three as well. Six strength and cost two power. That's very cheap, Chris. After this attack is resolved, Quicksilver may advance medium. So this is awesome. It's a six strength. With an advance built in, it's not quite a charge. It's not quite a hit and run, though it's very similar to both of those. It's very cool. I like it a lot. So his first superpower is an active superpower. It's called Speedster. It's going to cost you two. If Quicksilver is not holding an objective token, he advances long. (laughs) This superpower can be used once per turn. Not an action to do it. No, man. So it's potential three three long moves. On Quicksilver's worst day, he's long, long, long. That's crazy, Just going, to, going somewhere to an objective, which I really like if he has two power. Very strong. His next Very superpower strong. is an active superpower called Can't Catch Me. It costs three power. His most expensive features thus far. When Quicksilver is targeted by an attack, you may use the superpower. Quicksilver advances short. If at the end of the advance, Quicksilver is outside of the attacker's range or the attacker's line of sight, the attack ends. If it is the attacker's activation, the attack did not target multiple characters, the attacker may make a new action. This superpower can be used only once per turn. So Chris, we've seen this before. This is Loki's trickster, but on Quicksilver. And this is cool because if he's low health, you're saving that three power. Keep him out of harm's way. When I run Quicksilver, he will always have three power in reserve. Just always. There's no reason not to. 
His next superpower is an innate superpower. It is super sonic reflexes. When Quicksilver is defending against a physical or energy attack or making a dodge roll, Quicksilver may re-roll up to two of its defense or dodge dice. Spider-Sense, baby. Nice. Very nice. And he's a wall crawler. So Quicksilver is 3-3-3, but that really (laughs) makes him... 4.5, 4.5, 4.5, 4.5. Four 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 or four point five four point five four point five. You know what I mean? Because you're really you're getting more dice rolls now. He doesn't like skulls. He hates them because he can't re-roll those. So interesting yeah. dichotomy there with his sister. But he's a wall crawler, Chris. So this man is a long mover. And he's a wall crawler. He is like some of the strong members of the Web Warriors when it comes to mobility. He's going to be a very strong character. I think. I don't necessarily think he's going to be strong enough that he'll be an auto-include in every list, but right. you're going to see him, and he's going to be annoying, and I'm really happy with his sculpt, and <laughs> I'm really just blown away by this this power set he's got. It's really an awesome character. No, I agree completely, Chris, and you know, first glance at this, you would say, oh, he's the best asset token or civilian token runner in the game, which you would be right, but I think when you look at this at a second glance, you see this and you say, wait a second, is he the best secure objective person in the game? Because because mm. he can run between secures back and forth all game. Mm. Interesting thought. It's one of the situations where it's like early game, he's just scoring on one. And then late game, when you need to win one, it's one of those ones where you need to have more models than the enemy, he just runs over easily. And he's always scoring on an objective. And if it gets too hot for him, he leaves and he goes back to the old objective. That's pretty cool to me. Not to mention, he can long move in, right? throw a cyclone vortex, throw six dice at someone, right? throw four dice at someone with the potential of four more at someone else, or speedster over to whatever objective he needs to be at. Right. It's crazy. Yeah, don't forget about the cyclonic vortex. I mean, he gets an, a medium move out of that, so. Oh, yeah. Good point. There's so many I things. I just saw the six dice. That's why I'm not very good at this game. But Chris... The strike, if he gets the Yahtzee, even the mm-hmm. basic Yahtzee block and crit, he gets a free short move. <laughs> so Kind of a gambling character in a way. Yeah, but the thing is, he's always getting moves outside of the move action, essentially. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to get him every single time, but you're going to get him most of the time. So that's super cool and obviously very thematic of the character. We'll get into our full deep dive of Quicksilver in that episode, but I'm a huge fan. He obviously is a great web warrior because he's a wall crawler, he's a long mover, and he gets to re-roll two dice innately, like Spider-Sense, but also he gets to re-roll another dice with web warriors if he wants to be part of their team. There's a lot of cool places. Also, Chris, the Brotherhood have an objective runner now outside of Mystique and Toad. So Very cool. you've got more options with the Brotherhood, which I think is good. But also, he's an adventure. Like, if you're paying one for Speedster I love that, man. and two for Can't Catch Me, you're okay with that. I Yeah, I kind of think that that's just a ridiculous leadership to run him with, but oh yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But we got to move on to another incredible objective runner, Chris. Uh-huh. And this is the one. I had a feeling. I had a feeling. I am so excited about this, this character. This is Black Cat, Felicia Hardy. The sculpt is incredible. Yeah. First of all, I knew you're a huge fan of the sculpt. So that's a good start. The power set, super fun. Let's get into it. She is a three- Threat. She is going to have five stamina on healthy and her injured side, so 10 in total. Yep. She is a long mover. She is a size two, 
and we've got threes across the board for defense. Exactly the same as Quicksilver. She's a standard yep. three threat, except she's a long mover. So these Love characters it. are pretty interesting in that way, but also means they are weaker in the defensive factors and they're weaker in the health factors. So the long move is kind of their strong suit, which makes a lot of sense. But also keep that in mind when you play them. So her first attack is a physical attack. It is Cat Claws. It's a range of two, strength of four, power cost of zero. After this attack is resolved, Black Cat gains power equal to the damage dealt. On a wild, you will trigger Pierce, one of my favorite wild triggers. It's always good. Change one of the defending characters, crit, wild, or block to a blank. So far, she's not seeming like much of a damage dealer, but she might be able to get some through in a pinch. Well, I'm I'm noticing a theme here, Chris, that her and Quicksilver are both four dice strikers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's because if they were higher than this, I think they'd be out of control. Oh yeah, they'd be. They'd need to be four threats if they were higher than they might need to. Yeah, four and uh, her next one, Troublemaker, range three with a strength of six, also similar to Quicksilver. There, power cost of two, also a physical attack. Yes, also a physical attack. If this attack would deal one or more damage, it deals one damage instead after this attack is resolved the target character gains the stagger special condition Hmm. on a wild you will trigger elusive after this attack is resolved this character may advance short i'm sorry hulk i'm sorry i'm so sorry hulk more things are coming out that trip you up my friend would you pay two to give someone a stagger if the answer is yes Every day. You just do this because notice, Chris, it does not say damage dealt, any sort of wild trigger. It just says yeah, after not, attack is just happens, man. Just happens. So she will give them a little ping, one damage, but most importantly, she gives them an auto stagger. And then if she rolled wild on top of that, which she probably did because there's six dice. Yeah, six dice. She gets to advance short away. Mm, I love it. It's awesome control. And she's clearly not as fast as Quicksilver. And rightfully so, but the (laughs) amount of control she is asserting here is nuts. Her first superpower is Grappling Hook. For two power, you're going to be able to place her within range two of her current position. Yep. It's a shorter Hawkeye hook arrow. Yeah. We know how strong it is with Hawkeye. We also know, Chris, how strong it is with Toad, just paying two to hop. Oh, yeah. Outside of your actions, because people always ask... Why are these things good? Why would you pay power for this? New players of the game ask this a lot. It's a great question. The way you frame it is this takes none of your actions. So if Black Hat can yep. move move without taking an action, then she can double strike or she can troublemaker, and then she can long move away as her second action after possibly advancing short. You see why grappling hook is so strong. It's awesome. Also, she can grab objectives a lot easier with this because long move and then grappling hook. Come on. Mm-hmm. And then long move away. <laughs> Uh, so let's talk about the real reason we're taking Black Cat. Everything to this point has been really cool. And now, now we're getting into Master Cat Burglar. This is going to cost three. Choose an enemy character within range one of Black Cat. Move one asset or civilian token the chosen character is holding to Black Cat. This character is now holding that token. This character may not hold more tokens than the crisis specifies. This could win you the game. This could win you the freaking game. 
You grab it, grapple hook away, long move away, whatever. Right. I love it. I love it. As someone who frequently falls behind on objectives, she was made for me. She'll help you focus on them too, you know? She'll help you think mm-hmm. about like, where are you sending her to maybe score on an objective for some time and then go pick up an objective late game from someone? Because three is very costly, as we know, Chris, but yes. it is really nice. Obviously, another reason why her attacks can't do a lot of damage. Because it's an incredibly sure. powerful and ability. You're not bringing her for damage. Uh, I also think she's an excellent clone vat target. Absolutely. Yeah. She comes in mid-game, stires some people, takes some objective yeah, tokens. It's insane. Now, here's what's cool about this, Chris, is that she's got two more superpowers, which are innate, which help her achieve these goals. One is an innate superpower called Bad Luck. Characters cannot modify their attack dice when targeting Black Cat with attacks. So, get reroll dice pretty cool <laughs> and also yeah, she man. she has the innate ability that we all knew was coming stealth enemy characters must be within range three of black cat to target her with attacks so she's immune to those long range turret characters she's immune to some of these high damage mages if she stays out of their range if she skirts the edge of the battlefield like we talked about on our show how you play black widow correctly how you play miles morales correctly you're going to get a lot out of her and she's going to stay alive even longer because her defenses are not great. And she has no baked-in rerolls either to stay alive. You've got to stay alive with stealth and the one you're in the fray with bad luck. I love these luck powers, what they're doing with Black Cat, what they've done with Domino. There's some other notable luck power uh, mutants out there that I'm really hoping come to the game. But I love the way Atomic Mass handles luck superpowers it's just very cool i'm super excited to see like what team she ends up on fully chris but i am happy to see that she is at a force straight up already that's cool me too man so this was your character i i understand now i understand yeah and to take nothing away from the other characters i'm i'm in love with the mutants and i really really think that she should be on my mutant squad. Mm. I know she's not a mutant, but I think I want her to be my other OBJ runner and dish out some staggers. I'm into it. I think she's going to have a lot of places in the game. I can't wait to play her in web warriors, but also spider foes as a objective runner. Cause they mm-hmm. need, they need mm-hmm. more of that. And if they get her as that, I'm happy if they don't get her, I'm still going to play her in that team because the theme is there. Yeah. And you'll probably have affiliation because spider foes are pretty expensive. So you're going to have your big models that will get your affiliation, like your kingpins, your goblins, your carnages and stuff. So I'm curious going forward how it works out, but I'm really excited, Chris. So that's all the characters that are currently out their cards. Of course, we're holding our breath because X-Force is coming soon, followed by Cage and Iron Fist. So a lot of good things are coming to the game shortly after this that I'm really looking forward to. And then, of course, quickly followed by the Spider-Foes and Black Cat and the amazing Spider-Man, Peter Parker. So, so many things coming out very soon, but we're kind of caught up fully on the card spoiler news, all the big things we haven't talked about recently. We got to close out this episode with some talk about some sculpts that Atomic Mass has dropped on us. And I think we got to start off immediately with a sculpt that's been some time. What's interesting about this sculpt, Chris, is this is all we know of this so far. I have curiosity. Are there more sculpts? Are there more forms like Ant-Man? Who knows? But that's Miss Marvel. Not a very exciting sculpt here. Very evocative of the character when she's not using her powers. But not a very exciting pose. Yeah. 
Yeah, not a very exciting pose. You know, wind blowing, scarf flying, hairs flying. She's got the hero pose going on. Yeah. It's her cosplay look early on, right? Yeah, man. Dude, it's Kamala Khan in MCP. I'm not mad. (laughs) Very true. I'm really happy to see what she looks like in the future, but that's all we know right now. But moving on, we've obviously got some incredibly exciting poses that we talked about one of these recently, Chris, but we got to talk about this picture. It's Sam Wilson, Captain America, flying over an explosion and Mm. War Machine flying off the ground using his jets. They really nailed both of these. These just out of the park. I love them, love them, love them so much. I don't think these could be better or more evocative than no. these characters. No. And they look wonderful together, like side by side like that. It's, it's, well, it's very. This Sam Wilson cap is one of my new favorite models, Chris, I will say. I'll throw it out, throw it out there. That one is the, the creme de la creme here. Yes. I mean, that might be the best model of the bunch. But my favorite Ooh. is the next one we're going to talk about. Lay it on. And that is Omega Red. That's right. He looks good. He looks awesome. The chains coming out of his forearms look great. They're the right shape. They got everything just like I remember it from the, the cartoon for the most part. With that aspect, the rest is a little bit... The shoulder pads are a little updated. Mm-hmm. He's a medium base, I think. Yep, he is. So that's that's interesting, you know, opens up some speculation on point costs there. Do I have another spider foe here in my hands, Chris, that I can try? I hope. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know where they're going to put him. Yeah, he, he fits in a lot of parts of Marvel. I would think Brotherhood, some kind of evil mm-hmm. mutants. Mm-hmm. And then, of course. Closing it out. I know you're excited about this. I am. Now, I think both of these sculpts are really good. Neither one is overwhelming. They're just both solid. And that is Jean Grey and Cassandra Nova. That's right. Jean, notably, is in the X-Men 92 costume. As she should be. Yeah. And Cassandra Nova looks like she's going on safari. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Cassandra's floating in the air on top of a... Telekinetic power here. TK energy. And then Jean has the, the classic energy around her and she's she's also flying very jean's got the hand up to the head yes i'm so glad you mentioned that and that's my favorite part yeah just to evoke her her powers yeah i do like that i like her sculpt a lot because it's jean but mm-hmm. you know it's not like daredevil sculpt or anything like that it's just exciting to see all these characters like in person you know I cannot imagine how excited i am to read cassandra nova's card oh man it's and Jean Grace, for that matter. I'm just, <laughs> I'm really interested how we're going to implement these, this particular type of power. I agree completely. But that's it, Chris, for the news. I mean, this is a lot of stuff. Obviously, there's some been some tactics cards and stuff that have been revealed, but like this is all the big news recently that we covered. We hope you guys enjoyed it. I mean, we're trying to hold back here, Chris. There's a lot of lore and theme here we did not touch on, which we obviously will in our episodes. These characters are really evocative of who they are, and I'm really, really excited to talk about them in deeper context in the coming episodes. The future of this game just keeps getting brighter and brighter with the way they step up everything. The sculpts are getting better. The powers are getting more innovative and, and outside the box. Yeah, man, this is cool. I love it. 
Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Check out our streams of Marvel Crisis Protocol at twitch.tv slash Fury's Finest. And you can follow the show on social media. Check us out on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast and Instagram and Facebook at Fury's Finest. Email us with any questions or inquiries at Fury's Finest at gmail.com. And leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. It truly helps us out. We really appreciate it. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music. And like Jesse was saying, rate, review, subscribe. It all helps a ton, a ton, a ton. And we truly do appreciate everyone for being with us. Thank you. Of course, you can find Chris and I on social media. You can find me, Jesse, on Twitter and Instagram at Jesse Aiken. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. And I have a Star Wars podcast called The Canon Cantina. Check it out. Chris, where can people find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. Chris, I get to see you in a month, which is very exciting. We get to play games together. Oh, yeah, Hopefully, we get to do more of our commentary series, which we've been talking about. Do some yeah, MCU-centric content as well. So stay tuned for that, listeners. But I'm just waiting for that day. And, you know, I'm going to keep working on terrain and stuff till then. And, you know, we're going to have some really exciting Marvel Christ Protocol content for you guys in the future. But until then, thanks for listening, true believers. Excelsior. has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. 